0: We're going to go to Ecclesiastes chapter number one in your Bible, if you will, the book of Ecclesiastes and chapter number one. I'm not sure I can say it enough, but I love the music around here. I'm so thankful for music that lifts up our great God. Because it's all about Him. And a service like this, it's all about Him. Yes. Truly, it's all about Him. And and uh, boy, I, I tell you, I'm just thankful. I mean, stuff like that, like the offertory we heard during the offering, that doesn't just happen. Those folks practice that stuff. It's just, appreciate all the hard work that goes into the music around this place. I truly, truly do. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes 1, we're going to begin our reading in verse number 12, and I'm going to read on into chapter number 2. Of course, when the Bible was originally written, it was not in verses and chapters. It was just a letter. And so anyway, we're going to continue to read when we get to chapter number 2 and read down just a little bit there. So we'll begin our reading Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse number 12. And if you'll follow along, I'll read. The Bible says, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. Uh, this sore travaileth hath God given to the sons of men to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. I communed with mine own heart, saying, "Lo, I am come to a great estate, and I have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been born uh, that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I preserved. I perceived that this is." This also is vexation of spirit. For in much wisdom is much grief. For he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. I said in mine heart, Go to now, I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore enjoy pleasure. And behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of mirth, what doeth it? I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine. Yet acquainting my heart with wisdom and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life, I made me great works, I builded me houses, I planted me vineyards, I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in, in them of all kind of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and peculiar treasure of kings and of provinces. I get me men singers and women singers and the likes of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And what and whatsoever mine eyes desired I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and all the labor that I had labored to do, and behold all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. I titled the message for this morning, excuse me, What on earth will it take to make you happy? And we're going to uh, try to answer the question with the Bible. Let's pray and we'll we'll get going. Heavenly Father, we are very, very thankful for your word. We're, We're very grateful, Lord, for how it gives us direction in life. We're thankful for how we can look back at the lives of others and we can gain knowledge from that and what to do and what not to do. And we pray that you would uh, um, illuminate the scriptures this morning, that you would help us, Lord, certainly as we preach, we need your help. Give us clarity of mind and speech, Uh, Lord, uh, power from on high. I, I, I don't know, Lord, who in this room today is saved and who is lost, who knows the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and who doesn't, but you know for sure so i pray lord if there's someone in here that does not know christ as their savior that you would deal with them specifically today Uh, lord maybe even those watching by live stream I, i pray dear god that you would just do the work that only you can do that you might get all the honor and glory for it and we'll thank you for whatever is accomplished for we ask all these things in the perfect name of jesus christ amen and amen thank you so much for standing for the reading of the word of god please do be seated I'm not a a bird watcher, per se, Um, but I love to watch birds at times. I I think the sparrow is probably my favorite bird, plain, simple, unassuming, and yet the Lord watches over them and uh, loves them just as much as he loves the red-breasted robin. I mean, and a robin is a beautiful bird, very beautiful, Uh, but their day-to-day life can be, well, it can be a real battle. Uh, They have to be on watch for their enemies all the time. Um, uh, It spends most of the day really searching for food for itself and for its young. But even through all of that, pardon me, the the robin always has a song. Uh, No, 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 come on. I mean, it sings like it doesn't have a care in the world. So what's the secret of the robin's song? And I, I believe that, in essence, is what Solomon wanted to know. I mean, what, what's going to keep a song in a man's heart when his life is a daily grind? When, when when things just don't seem to be going the way they should? I mean, what does it take to make us happy? The human heart has a hunger for happiness. And that hunger for happiness is so powerful that people even try to satisfy it with things that will eventually destroy them. I mean, they look for happiness in power and religion and sex and drugs and alcohol and business. And as he said, everything under the sun. Every, anything that might bring them, a, might offer them a promise of happiness, however brief it may be. They just want to be happy for a while. In this portion of scripture, Solomon calls life a sore travail. Life can be tough. And it it, it apparently can push us to a breaking point at times, can it? Life. Just day-to-day life. Life in general. So how are we supposed to maintain happiness when life is so hard? And it's really something because that's what Solomon spent his life trying to find out. Uh, To a heart yearning for laughter, Solomon said, go to now, I will prove thee with mirth. Or merriment, laughter, that word mirth. I'll prove thee. To prove means to put to test. So what Solomon did is he performed a hard experiment. Uh. By feeding it many different pleasures, he was hoping to make it happy. That's what he was hoping for. Uh, the phrase, under the heaven and under the sun, reminds us that his approach was, get this, his approach was totally secular. I mean, it was totally worldly. When he began the experiment, God was left out of it. He was looking to find out if there's anything on this earth that will make us happy and keep us happy. And so there was a test of mirth, merriment. Look at chapter two, verse one again. I said in mine heart, go to now, I will prove thee with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it's mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was that good uh, for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. Now we have to understand this, being the king, Solomon could afford every form of pleasure that could be imagined by the heart of man, anything he wanted. He fed his heart a steady diet of things from which men try to gain happiness. That's what he was doing. And anything I want, I'll do that. I'll go through all these things. And he tried laughter. He tried mirth, filling life with instant, uh, filling life with endless entertainment, entertaining itself. He even tried. He even tried uh, social drinking. It says there in verse. I sat mine heart to get myself unto wine. So Solomon experimented uh, with drinking as a source of happiness. And he tells us what he did so. He, he tells us he did so while, he's, this what, this was, he said, acquainting my heart with wisdom. So he, he determined to control his appetite for alcohol, to be a sensible drinker if there is such an animal. He didn't intend to become a drunkard. He wanted only to make himself feel good, which is the way all drunkards start out, for sure. He also laid hold on folly, it says there, or he did things foolishly, uh, which, makes, uh, which some take to mean um, sensual pleasure. I mean, things that God has said are, are to be out of bounds for our lives, things that we just shouldn't be involved in. Solomon wanted to discover what man calls the pleasure-filled life. He wanted to know if the pleasure-filled life is a contented life. That's what he wanted to know. Man, if I can just fill my life with pleasure, whatever I want to feed myself, make pleasurable, I want to know if I can be content if I do all these different things. I feed myself all these different things. I want to be content in life. And Solomon's findings from this experience are recorded in verse number one, because he says this, this is also vanity. What does that mean? His heart was still empty. Oh, I'll say it again. His heart was still empty. He might have had some go-rounds where he laughed and all, but his heart was still empty. He found that laughter was mad. You know, although the Bible, no, listen to this, although the Bible states that a glad heart is therapeutic, and it is, it can be absolutely so, but laughter is not a means to joy. Laughter is an expression of joy. Just because you're laughing doesn't mean you're going to be laughing later. Just because you're laughing doesn't mean it's going to build up more happiness in your life. No, 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 it's an expression of joy. Real joy lasts after the last sound of laughter has died away. The happiness of this world is just a hollow substitute for what God offers us, truly. He said of mirth, what doeth it? What doeth it? It had nothing of substance to his life. This merriment and drink and sensuality, it it registered a zero also. They were just vanity, emptiness. The happiness they offered was brief and unfulfilling. And that's, it. that's the way it is with the things of this world. Oh, come on, drugs, alcohol, sex, we go on with the list, gambling, whatever we want to name as far as sin goes. I'm telling you, no, 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 no. It's, it's always brief and it's unfulfilling. Even the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. Yeah, I mean, you know, you get a little bit of joy here and there, but I'm telling you, it's no, no, it's not going to last. It's not going to be good. It's not fulfilling. Uh, not at all. No, 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 no. Solomon sought pleasure with, uh, he sought pleasure with very few boundaries in his life. He didn't put boundaries out there. Very few boundaries on what he would do, but, but it didn't satisfy his soul. It left him empty. You know, every year Americans spend billions of dollars on entertainment and alcohol and drugs and pornography and many other pursuits of pleasure. Billions and billions of dollars. Uh, They are sought out as a means uh, uh, of which that they might escape the sore travail of life. Well, if I can just find something that will satisfy me, that will just make me happy. And no matter how far they may dive into the depths of sin, the sin of this world, they always come up empty. It will always leave you wanting all the time. What the world has to offer. It's like nothingness. So, he performed another test. He performed the test of labor. Look at verse number four there in chapter two. It says, I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. I planted trees and them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water wherewith the word that uh, the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens. I had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions, great small cattle. Above all, that were in, in, in Jerusalem before me. So, when the party lifestyle, when the party and lifestyle didn't satisfy him, Solomon got to thinking again, and he decided to get more serious about life. Well, maybe if I go a different direction, maybe if I try something else, and so he entered into business a big way. I'll just begin to build some things. I mean, I have all the power, I have all the money, I have everything I need. And so he invested in great works. We read it there, verses four through six. He invested in things. And so he wrote, of no, no, no. He wrote that he built houses and vineyards and gardens and orchards, uh, irrigation projects to water everything that he was building, all the orchards and different things. And really the ruins of some of these projects are still in Israel today. Uh, And it's amazing really what he did. In fact, let me read you this portion of scripture that's found over in Second Chronicles chapter eight. Uh, we, we read here of entire cities that were constructed under his direction. Entire cities. Second uh, uh, Chronicles eight verse four says this, talking of Solomon. And he built Cadmer in the wilderness and all the store cities which he built in Hamath. Also he built beth Haran the upper and beth Haran the nether. fenced cities with walls, gates and bars. And Belath and all the store cities that Solomon had. And all the chariot cities and the cities of the horsemen. And all that Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem and Lebanon. And throughout all the land of his dominion. So he set out to build this empire. And, and really, he succeeded in making Israel a first-class world power back during that time. I mean, it was a big thing. And he accumulated great wealth. We read on there in verse number 7, he in, uh, accumulated this, this great wealth. Verse number 8, I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I get me wind singers, women singers, and the likes of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great. And increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. So here's the thing. Solomon's work, his labor, it it paid off. It did pay off. No, he increased in wealth because of what he did and put himself to. And he acquired all the comforts of the wealthy. I mean, servants and riches and even his very own orchestra and choir. It says that. I mean, all these musicians, all these different things. He accumulated more possessions than any of his predecessors. Every status symbol and every comfort money could buy. Solomon had it. He became an ultimate impulse buyer. If he thought it would make him happy, oh yeah, get out the checkbook. It was his. However, he found nothing of lasting worth. Solomon enjoyed his work. No, he enjoyed it. Look at verse number 10 there. Uh, And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. Uh, So, I mean, he enjoyed his work. But when he stopped working, get this, get this, stay with me. When he stopped working, his heart was still empty. Well, where do you get that? Verse number 11. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and all the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. He was looking for things to fulfill himself. Did he do great works? Yes. Absolutely so. Built great cities? All these things? Yes. Accumulated wealth? Yes. He was a rich guy. Absolutely so. And he wasn't condemning labor. That's not it. He was condemning the belief that the road to happiness is through hard work. And he gave us a couple of reasons for that. First, he came to the realization that you can't take it with you. Where do you see that? Look on down in verse number 18. Here's what he said. Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. He figured out he can't take it with you. All the hard work, all the time, labor, and all the stuff he put in, trying to find happiness in doing all of this. Vanity, vexation of spirit. He would labored wisely, absolutely so, but, but what would come of his work when he, well, what would come of his work when they pat that last shovel full of dirt on his face there at the funeral? I mean, who knows if your, your predecessor, or I'm sorry, your successor will be a wise man or a fool. Who knows? Oh no, look at verse number 19. He addressed it. And who knoweth whether he shall be wise man or fool? Yet shall he have no rule over all my labor wherein I have labored, and wherein I have showed myself wise unto the sun. This is also vanity. You know, it's really something. A man who work all of his life to accumulate a fortune, but in death he takes no more with him than any other person on this earth. But secondly, Solomon realized that the fleeting sense of accomplishment that success brings. It wasn't necessarily worth the, listen to this, it wasn't necessarily worth the time and the labor that he had put into such to get there. All this wealth he accumulated. Maybe it wasn't worth all the time I put into that, all the labor I put into that. Look at verse number 23. He recalls recalls some very uh, stressful days and sleepless nights also. For all his days are sorrows and his travail, travail grief. His heart taketh not rest in the night. This is also vanity. So he concludes that this this, that the, the, the struggle and the, the stress invested in, in, in working for success and achieving success, it, it far exceeds the pleasure that he'd gain working for it. So what did he learn, preacher? Turn back to chapter number one. He learned this, nothing on this earth, nothing on this earth will give you lasting joy. Ain't going to happen. Look at verse number 12 again. It says, I, the preacher was king over Israel and Jerusalem. And I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under the heaven." And the sword uh, and, uh, under heaven, this sword travail had God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. And here's what he said. We're going to read it here in just a second. He said, the world is broken. And men do not have what it takes to fix it. Well, where, 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 where do you see that? Verse 14, look at it said I've seen all the works that are done under the sun and behold all is vanity and vexation of spirit that which is crooked cannot be main straight and that which is wanting cannot be numbered man can't fix it no look moments of happiness may come from the things of this world but joy comes from God it comes from God uh, t- chapter 2, look uh, look down 24, verse 24 in chapter 2, look at this, chapter 2, verse 24, there is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink, and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw, that it was from the hand of God. For who can eat, or who else can hasten here unto more than I? For God giveth To man that is good in his sight, wisdom and knowledge and joy. So here's the thing look up here for a second. God means for us to find enjoyment in this life. No, he does. He didn't put us on this world to just be miserable. Not at all. No, 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 no. He 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 means for us to find enjoyment in this life. I'll read it again. There, verse number twenty-four. There's nothing better for a man. Uh, uh, yeah. There's nothing better for a man that he should eat and drink, and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. So we can have joy as we acknowledge God. And receive good things of this life as a gift. We receive good things of this life as a gift. Okay, we'll read it again. Verse number 25. For who can eat or who, or, or who else can hasten here unto more than I? For God giveth to man, that is good, for in his sight wisdom and knowledge and joy. So we receive the things as from God because God does love us and care about us and He doesn't want us to live a life of just go, 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 look for whatever you can to make yourself happy that's not His plan come on, we can can mess ourselves up doing that, can't we? no, there's people that work themselves to death trying to fulfill themselves. And there's people that party themselves to death. Trying to find joy. And it's fleeting. As it is with success also. It's not fulfilling. Not the way God can fulfill us. What God has for us. And when the pleasures of this world entice us to forget God, now get this, answer's here. When the pleasures of this world entice us to forget God, then God withholds joy. From our heart. Where do you get that? Last part of verse 26. But to the sinner he giveth travail. Together and heap up. That he may give to him that is good before God. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. God created man for fellowship. That's why you created us that fellowship with him yeah. we might have fellowship with him that's where our joy is going to come from our fellowship with him well we have to live our lives don't we Well, come on we have jobs and homes and kids and cars and all those daily things that we have to do absolutely so yeah but those are just a means of living I said those are all just a means of, of living Those shouldn't be a means of our joy. Look it's not wrong to find happiness in a in a new car or a new set of golf clubs or a new a new gun. Oh yeah. yeah. <clears throat> A new fishing pole i, I mean whatever I, you know uh, ladies new dress new purse new shoes you didn't hear that miss pam about the shoes it's, 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 shoes are bad they're bad they're bad just preaching to my wife real quick anyway <clears throat> it's not wrong to find some it's not wrong to find a little happiness in that i mean i, I think god expects that go on vacation take that. It's not wrong that but that's not our continual source of joy We, we live in an entertainment-crazed world. We do a real misjustice to our children when we think we have to keep them occupied all the time. Amen. Okay, I'm going to say that again. We, live, we do a real injustice to our children when we think that we have to keep them going and doing things all the time. They've got to be doing something all the time. have got to take them to Little League. have got to take them soccer. soccer. to have got, got to take them to Worlds of Fun. They've got, got to do this. They've got to, have to be doing something all the time. Tell them to go outside and sit in the backyard. No, no, no! You'll do that. They'll find a way to make themselves happy. I, man, I don't know how many German soldiers I killed with a stick when I was a kid. I'm telling you, I killed me a butt I mean, I was—I took the hill. I was man. I was the hero of every story I had. Amen. Nothing against Germans. I'm sorry <laughs> Germans. <laughs> that was just my. Was, okay, anyway, showing my age here. Anyway. <clears throat> We grow up and then we think we have to be busy all the time. Well, let's go here. Let's go to the mall. Let's go to the show. Let's go out to eat. Let's go here. Let's go here. Let's go to the park. Let's go. Let's run here. Let's go here. Let's go here. Well, how come? Well, I just something to do, you know, make me happy. No, and we start looking and, no, no, we start looking for happiness in things and going and even other people. But at times, other people are prone to let us down, aren't they? True. And then again, there there are those that look for, for, for joy and happiness in in drugs and alcohol and all these different all these different things. But that's that never lasts. It never lasts. It never does. It just doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, you know, you you always come back to the nasty now and now, don't you? Our joy needs to come from the Lord. Learning how to spend time with Him. Learning how to spend time with Him. You have to learn how to spend time with Him. And you can't learn if you're not uh practicing. No, no, you can't learn to do anything if you're not practice it. It's the same way in walking with God. And when He becomes more important than all the things this world has to offer you can begin to have some real joy I mean joy that lasts you don't have to work yourself to death you don't have to drink yourself to death you don't have to dope yourself to death you don't have to run yourself to death I'm telling you no, God's there for us you don't have to be the most popular person at school To have joy. Oh, no, 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 no. I said you don't have to be the most popular person around. Not when you're seeking the Lord for your pleasure, for your joy. Uh, you, no, you, you, don't, you, don't <laughs> you don't have to have some status with all your peers. Who cares as long as you're in good standing with God? Who cares? They're going to die just like you die. They breathe just like you breathe. They're no better than you. I'll say it again. They're no better than you. Man's on the same plane. No, it doesn't matter how much money they have. They're no better than you. Money doesn't make you a good person. Success doesn't make you a good person. It needs to become all about him. Because otherwise it's just uh, vanity and vexation of spirit. Vanity, it's all empty. Hold on, say, say it with me. And vexation of spirit. Why can't I do better? Why can't I? And I want to find some happiness. And No, no, you're just vexed. It's like, I'll tell you, I'll try this and I'll try that and I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll buy this and I'll buy a bigger one of these and I'll buy more one and I'll get this and I'll get that and I'll do this and I'll do that and we're just always looking for something that's going to make us happy. I'll buy me a four-wheeler and your neighbor buys a bigger one. Well, I'll buy a bigger one. That's not where we as believers should be hunting for joy. Or really it's not where anybody should be hunting for joy. I never knew real contentment until I met Jesus. He gave me peace. He gave me joy. And he's teaching me how to be content. Oh, he's teaching me. Because <laughs> I'm just as human as anybody. But he's teaching me how to be content with him. When things don't go my way, I just need to be content with him. Boy, you young people ought to learn this now. It'll save you a lot of grief. Truly, it will. In the long run, it'll save you a lot of grief. Your relationship with the Lord is more important than any other relationship you have. What on earth will it take you to make you you happy? The problem that Solomon identifies has nothing to do, now get this, it has nothing to do with this world that we live on or the way that God created this world. Because God created this world to meet our every earthly need—food, clothing, everything we need—he created the world for that. What Solomon came to realize is that we are not merely created for life on this earth. I said Solomon finally realized we're not just created just for life on this earth. We're created for eternity. Come on, you're going to live forever somewhere. You're either going to live forever in a real place called heaven with God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Ghost, or you're going to live or die for eternity in a real place called hell. It's real. I don't care how much our society's tried to do with it. Hell is a very real place. And when we die, we've got Well, we're either going to go up or we're going to go down. It's just a fact. He created us for eternity. And without God, life has no real direction. If you're looking, no, no, no. If you're looking for contentment and satisfaction in things or even other people, you're probably not going to find it. But we can be content in the Lord no matter what's going on around us. This world cannot and will not offer any ultimate satisfaction. What is it that you're searching for in this life? Why not give God a try? And taste and see that the Lord is good. And He is good. Everything that you're looking for, I guarantee you can be found. It can be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you do not know Him as your personal Savior, you need Him. You need Him. And if you do know Him as your personal Savior but you continue to look to this world to fulfill your happiness I can promise you you'll not find it yep. bon, bon. well how do you know that yep. Amen. there wasn't anybody much richer than Solomon there wasn't anybody that tried much more than Solomon did And his conclusion to his test, it's all vanity, vexation of spirit. I'm telling you, your happiness will always be fleeting, always be elusive. In the words of the songwriter, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. Quit chasing after that which will not satisfy. Quit chasing after it. It's just leading you in a bad direction. And the end of it vanity, vexation of spirit. Why can't I find happiness? You're looking in the wrong place. Why can't I find contentment? You're looking in the wrong place. Look up. He's there for you. Absolutely so. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our heads are bowed. For a moment, our eyes are closed. Thank you for that. I appreciate that so very, very much. It may be that you're here today and you say, Preacher, I'm not even sure I know Christ as my Savior. I'm really not sure about that. I'm not sure what what to do. Would, Would you just remember to pray for me? Well, I'd like to pray for you like that. Would you just slip your hand up wherever you're at and allow me to pray for you? Would you allow me to do that right there and right there? God bless you back there and over here. Thank you. Thank you. Others, preacher, that's me. I'm just not sure that I have, it got, that I have got it settled. I'm not sure I know Christ as my Savior. Would you please just remember me in prayer Pray for me when you pray for these others. Absolutely so. I want to do that. Would you let me do that? Just slip your hand up. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I, I, want, I just want to pray for you. Anybody else before we move on? Anyone at all? I appreciate that. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Maybe you'd just be willing to say, Preacher, I need prayer. I need prayer. I, I've been looking in all the wrong places, and I know it. And I just I just need prayer that I will set my eyes on the right things, that I will learn to be content with the Lord. Preacher, will you just pray with me about that? I'd like to. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, no one looking around in respect of others. Let me pray for you. Would you slip up your hand where you're at? God bless your honesty there and there and back there and over here, right there. God bless you. God bless you over here. God bless you. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Others, you didn't raise your hand before. You want to raise it now? Yep, preacher. I've been looking for happiness. I've not found it. You just pray for me that I'll do what God wants me to do. God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Over there, God bless you, sir. Thank you. Others, back there. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Others, anybody else before we move on? I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. Let's all stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Some have already made their way to the altar. Father, thank you for your goodness and mercy. I pray for those in here that do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I pray that you'd continue to work in their life and their heart. You'd bring them to the saving knowledge of Christ before it's too late. Even if they would come this morning, we'd love to take them, uh, take a Bible and show them how they could have that settled. Lord, you deal with their heart. You bring them to that place. Oh, dear God, continue to work on them. Even after they leave here today, just continue to work on them, letting them know how important it is that they come to know Christ before they leave this world. And then for the, all the hands across the auditorium, I don't know how you, exactly how you have dealt with people's hearts. I don't know what's going on in their lives, uh, but you do. And so I lift them up to you, and I pray that you give them great grace. I, I pray, Father, you give them strength. I pray that you'd give them a yearning in their heart to search after you, to search after you, to to learn to know you better, that they might be fulfilled in a way that this world will never fulfill them. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you do wonders in their lives, in their hearts, uh, things that only you can get the credit for, uh, Lord. Bless this time of invitation. Bless those that have already come. Bless those that are going to come. Help us now. We pray, please. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Piano's going to play somewhere at the altar. You need to come. Why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you take a minute to talk to God? Just take a minute to talk to Him. Just humble yourself before the Lord and ask Him to help you find what you're looking for. Lord, I need your help. I know I can't do it without you. And I'm tired of looking for what I need from this world. Would you let God have His way? Come on, we'll not take long.